Hello, so welcome back to Raw Vegan Lens. I'm your host, Sherry Michelle. Let's go. I'm going to read slowly today. I listened to yesterday's podcast and realized uh, I was going a bit fast. I'm also going to list again the seven doctors of nature because I believe number five didn't make it into the recording because an alarm went off. (laughs) My apologies. So the seven doctors of nature, she says, are fasting, air, water, sunlight, exercise, food, and mind. Chapter six, regarding cancer. It is my belief that the body of the cancer patient contains the most virulent poison that cancer is the death and disintegration of a given part of a living body. Under the great diet, the decomposition is arrested, checked, but the danger is by no means over. The poisons have now been thrown into the bloodstream and carried to every part of the body. Everything must be done to expel them and expel them quickly. The enema. Since the alimentary canal is the main avenue of excretion, the bowels must be attended to first. We recommend the daily use of the enema unless the grapes act as a laxative. In some cases, they cause constipation until the system has learned to use the skins of the grapes as roughage. Such patients should take an enema of one quart of lukewarm water once or even twice a day until there is a natural movement of the bowels. This rule applies to all persons who are undergoing a grape diet. Why the skins? The skins, not alone of grapes, but of many other fruits, such as apples, pears, contain immensely valuable elements. To throw away the peels would be to deprive the system of the very substances required to build a new and healthy body. But the skins also form the bulk of roughage, which are needed to promote the peristaltic action of the stomach and bowels. Until the system has learned to utilize the grape, it is advisable to be careful with seeds and hulls. A normal digestion suffers no inconvenience when the whole grape is used. On the contrary, it is benefited by the valuable properties contained in the seeds and skins apart from the bulk and roughage they provide. But if you have been in the habit of discarding them, they may at first accumulate in the digestive tract and cause constipation. I therefore advise all who are experimenting with the grape diet for the first time to begin with the juice and pulp, later a few of the skins. Chew them all well in order to extract their essences, but swallow only a few until you are sure that your digestion is able to take care of them. The same applies to the seeds, but do not chew the seeds. But in all cases, use the enema if nature fails to do her work. Do not depend upon faith for this. The development of faith takes time and there is no time to lose if it really is a cancer. Throw the vile poisons out. Employ every material means of ridding the system of its gross impurities and you will be surprised to find that in doing this you are developing the more spiritual powers of mind and soul. Obedience to the dictates of common sense. Harmony has its own reward. The course of the disease. Under the grape diet, it should run its full course within a month or six weeks. The patient loses weight to an extent that would be alarming if he did not understand the principle of the cure. While on the first stage of grape diet, nothing should be administered to make him gain weight, no food of any kind except the grape. 
In advanced cases, it is sometimes by reducing him to a virtual skeleton that the disease may be overcome. When in severe cases, he has reached this point when he has been brought almost to skin and bone. There is nothing left for the cancer to live on, and it usually disappears spontaneously. There are many kinds of cancer, and the patients are all at different stages of the disease. It is therefore impossible to say beforehand how long it will take to arrive at the turning point. <clears throat> no cause for anxiety. When the inorganic poisons have been effectually eliminated and the patient seems to have reached the last stage of weakness, there's usually a sudden and marked change for the better. He may fall into a refreshing sleep and wake up feeling fine, feeling strangely invigorated, and usually his first demand is for food. The greatest care must now be exercised. For a day or two, he should live on pure grape juice, homemade or unsweetened commercial. Half a pint sipped slowly every two hours, and then gradually the other fruits may be introduced. The critical time is during that period of exhaustion, just before the, ride, uh, just before the tide turns. It is so natural to think that the patient is dying for what want of nourishment. This is not the case at all. If he has been kept faithfully on grapes, he has been fed with the finest and richest food on earth, a food that will sustain a healthy, active man for months. Feeding the patient to keep up his strength is the surest way of killing him. No, your cancer patient is not dying of starvation, and he is not getting weak because he is only eating grapes. But the cancer is dying. Nature is destroying it. The vital centers, heart, lungs, and brain, are being nourished to the last moment by the grape. To change the diet at this moment is not advisable. Remember this when you are tempted to administer other foods and stimulants. His only chance may be the grape. You know the verdict that has been passed. Inoperable cancer. No hope. Nothing known to science that can save this case. Well, then, the grape is the only hope. Advanced cases have apparently been cured. Until you hear of something better than grapes, do not let the harrowing sight of the patient's weaknesses and emaciation tempt you to offer other foods. That might be robbing him of his only chance. Give the grape diet a fair chance for a few weeks, not longer, if you are unable to get reliable advice. Then try some of the other juicy fruits. I've seen patients reach the unconscious stage and then recover. Fortunately, the patients themselves often have a conviction that grapes and grapes only will save them. To try them, I occasionally suggest some other tempting food, and I have been impressed by the emphatic reply, not for $100,000, or I would rather die on grapes than live as I have been living on other foods. All this, however, applies only to the first few weeks of the exclusive grape diet. The danger of staying on grapes too long is that the patient may in time not be able to take any other food. <clears throat> in the name of science and humanity, we invite cancer and other patients to report the result of the grape cure to us. It is most essential to collect extensive data for publication to, to encourage others. Must the cancer patient know? One of the stumbling blocks to be overcome in the treatment of cancer patients is secrecy. Every device is employed to doctors and relatives to hide their con real condition from them. When the principle of the harmony is better understood, the fear of cancer will be removed and it will not be necessary to deceive and mislead cancer patients. 
After all, they are not really blind to their condition, and I know by experience that there is nothing more painful than the suspense and uncertainty. The secret fear, the haunting suspicion of being deceived are far more trying and harmful than the realization of danger. It is not reasonable to expect the patient to be faithful to the prescribed rules without a full understanding of the gravity of his condition. Harmony. On the principle of harmony, we do not put inorganic poisons into the system of a patient who is trying to expel poisons. That would be like pouring oil on a fire with one hand and water with the other in an effort to extinguish it. The construction of the human body is marvelously complex. The millions of pores on the surface of the skin have many functions. They not only excrete waste products, but they have the power of absorbing material and essences. The care of the skin is of immense importance in the treatment of cancer, for the pores are accessory organs for breathing. That is to say, instead of having only one pair of lungs, we possess many millions so that in the case of internal cancer, when the breathing is heavily restricted, we have to depend largely on the free action of the pores for oxygen. The use of the flesh brush. The skin of a healthy person casts off the dead cells without artificial means, but in a diseased body, the pores are clogged and choked with decayed matter. The entire body of the patient should be brushed morning and evening with a dry flesh brush. These flesh brushes may be procured at almost any drugstore, but it is not enough to get the poisons out. You must see to it that no new poison gets in. There are more ways of taking poison than by way of the mouth. Trunk packs, water compresses, and poultices, on the other hand, are highly commendable, and in extreme cases, these should be saturated with diluted grape juice. A great many patients can now testify to the magical effects of these compresses. Many lingering sufferers in the future will experience undreamed of relief through these methods. Chapter 7, Supplementary Information. It has come to my attention that many patients overdo the exclusive grape diet. They seem to think they must continue the grape diet until the growth has disappeared completely. Experience teaches that scars caused by malignant growth remain in the tissue long after the grape diet has done its work. Time only will show whether they will ever be entirely eradicated. The same is true of any injury to the body, through burns, cuts, fractures, etc. When the grape has purified the blood, the general condition of the patient steadily improves in spite of the presence of lumps, scars, or other evidences of the injury done by the growth. In my own case, while the poisons of the cancer had have been eliminated and the cancer has disappeared, physical examinations by medical men disclose that there are numerous adhesions as a result of the malignant growth. One doctor advances the opinion that it will take at least seven years for these adhesions to be broken up. It is useless, therefore, to continue the grape diet in the hope of completely eradicating the growth within a few weeks or even a few months. This treatment is slow, requiring patience and perseverance, but the patient is improving all the time, frequently able to go about his daily duties. One cannot expect to rid himself within a few weeks of poisons which he has been storing up during his entire life. Many patients who are employed and do not wish to become too greatly weakened to take the exclusive grape diet for, say, two or three weeks. Then they go on to the second and third stages for equal periods. If at the end of that time they feel that the poisons... Hold on, baby. Sorry, my my dog wants under her blanket. 
Here you go. All right. <clears throat> Many patients who are employed do not wish to become too greatly weakened. Um, who do not wish to become too greatly weakened take the exclusive group diet for, say, two or three weeks, and they go on to the second and third stages for equal periods. If at the end of that time they feel that the poisons have not all been eliminated, they repeat their treatment. In that way, they are able to continue their employment. The condition of each case should be watched carefully and judgment exercised. If it, is, it is obviously impossible to give a set of rules which can be followed in each case. Grape diet contains many of the elements necessary to sustain life and health, but it does not contain everything. To continue the grape diet beyond a reasonable time, would therefore be to deprive the system of the nourishment necessary for the maintenance of the body. Quantity. <clears throat> it has been observed that many patients are eating too many grapes, two pounds a day, or if the patient is active and out of doors, three pounds is usually enough. If the patient is not hungry, it is not necessary for him to force himself to eat. Seven meals is not compulsory, nor is it necessary. We have observed that the best results are obtained where the patients are given small quantities of grapes. Some patients are forced into eating too many grapes by anxious relatives. Sometimes one's loved ones are one's worst enemies at this stage of the diet. For that reason, it is well for the patient to go to a sanatorium if possible, <laughs> if at all possible. Uh, even though the patient should lose considerable weight, it does not mean that he is in danger of starving. As mentioned, grapes contain most of the food elements necessary to sustain life. Many have been known to live many months on grapes alone, but this is not deemed advisable. Amount of water to be taken. We've received many inquiries regarding the amount of water the patient should drink. The patient is permitted to drink as much water as he feels inclined to be inclined to between the Ah, the patient is permitted to drink as much water as he feels inclined to between the great meals. I think I might have said wine. <laughs> water. Let's be clear, water. Generally, sufficient water is supplied by the juice of the grape. In the early stages of the diet, the patient from uh, often becomes very thirsty. Nature calls for an abundant supply of water to flush the system. After the poisons have been eliminated, this craving ceases. Too much drinking often tends to overwork the kidneys. Grape poultices. In case of external growths where there is an open sore, grape poultices have been found to be effective. The grape poultice is made by crushing grapes, uh, spreading between layers of cheesecloth or muslin and placing over the affected part, covering the whole with a dry cloth. Grape compress. Where whole grapes cannot be procured, a compress may be used. Soft muslin or cheesecloth is dipped in grape juice, diluted about two-thirds. Both poultice and compress should be renewed frequently as they absorb much of the poison. The purpose of the compress is to keep external cancers and other wounds open and soft so that the poisons can be easily expelled. This is important. Bowel movement. Distressing symptoms often occur during the grape diet through the poisons which have been stirred up by the action of the grape and thrown into the bloodstream. 
these symptoms may be aggravated in cases in which there is very poor elimination. Sufficient stress cannot be laid upon the importance of keeping the bowels free by using enemas. Many patients complain of becoming constipated under the grape diet. The reader is referred to page 25 of this book regarding the consumption of grape skins. As laxatives are not advisable, a teaspoon of olive oil occasionally is recommended. This should be taken just before the great meal. In extreme cases, a small quantity of olive oil may be injected directly into the rectum by means of a hard rubber syringe. There are, however, several herb laxatives which are effective and do not conflict with the grape treatment. Formation of gas. Another development of which many complain in the grape diet or in the grape cure is the formation of gas. When this symptom appears, it is well to stop the consumption of the skins and seeds altogether for a while. If this does not relieve the condition, one of the best reliefs is by the high colonic irrigation in the knee chest position. If the patient is not strong enough to take this treatment, the cold trunk pack will usually help to dispel the gas. Soreness of mouth. When the grape diet makes the mouth sore and raw, it may be because the flesh is diseased. Grapes do not have this effect on healthy tissue. When the body has been cleansed of its poisons, the soreness disappears. Other symptoms. Sometimes after continuing on the grape diet for several weeks, the feces become quite black. This is deemed a temporary symptom and no cause for any uneasiness. Acute and chronic. Acute pains. As the heat promotes inflammation and congestion, cold applications externally are recommended to relieve the patient's pain. Cheesecloth wrung out of lukewarm water and folded several thicknesses may be placed over the affected part and covered with an ice bag. Renew the cloth frequently. This has afforded relief in, an, in cases of appendicitis, piles, acute liver attacks, gallstones, kidney stones, inflammation of throat, etc. Chronic cases. When the patient is below par, depleted, or suffering from low blood pressure, the pain may be relieved by hot applications. A cheesecloth can be wrung out of lukewarm water, as mentioned before, but instead of an ice bag, a hot water bottle placed over the cloth. In the moist heat, there is the moist heat that relieves pain. The hot water bag is seldom applied to the dry skin. The moisture opens the pores and enables the impurities to come out. The cloth, therefore, should be kept very clean and renewed in intervals. Caution. Numerous instances have been reported of patients who have been misinformed as to the duration of the grape cure and the quantity to be consumed. This is regrettable, regrettable because it detracts from the value of this wonderful discovery. The patient should be urged to adhere closely to the instructions given in this book, all of these details having been carefully worked out. The writer does not want to be held responsible for failures due to the wrong advice by persons who do not know anything about the grape diet. The process of the grape when eaten exclusively tends to cleanse the intestinal tract and dissolve poisons which may have settled in any part of the body. It is not advisable to use medicines while on the grape diet. Why fast? When preparations containing iron, or other inorganic metals have been injected into the blood in the form of serums, the acids of the grape have corrosive tendency. This danger is mitigated by prolonged fasting before beginning the grape cure. Other diseases. It is impossible in a work of this scope to enumerate all the diseases 
which have been reported successfully treated by this method. A few about which special inquiries have come in are mentioned below. Arthritis. It stands to reason that when the bones have become ossified through arthritis and rheumatism, the great diet will not loosen them up, except when used in conjunction with other methods of natural healing, such as manipulations, gentle exercise, and fermentation. This should not be done without the supervision of one trained along these lines. Diabetes. This method has been particularly successful with diabetes. The grape sugar is believed to be an organic solvent, which neutralizes the sugar deposits in the blood. When taking the exclusive grape diet for diabetes, persons who have been taking insulin should cut down gradually on the intake of insulin until it becomes zero. You cannot mix it with the grape diet and get satisfactory results. Gallstones. Gallstones have been reported dissolved while the patients were under treatment for more serious diseases. Cataract. The same may be said of the cataract of the eye. Diet. As we believe many diseases are caused by wrong combinations of food, we advise our readers to study the second and third stages carefully for information on this important subject. Many valuable books are being published in our day on the benefits of the raw vegetable and fruit diet. Ulcerated stomach. This must not be treated lightly. Too often gastric ulcers are neglected. Before the diseases become serious, be, be, become serious, it is recommended that the sufferer undergo the grape treatment. Skins and seeds should be omitted. Tuberculosis. So far in this country, only a few cases of tuberculosis have been treated, but it is specifically mentioned in reference books published in Central Europe as a disease which readily yields to the grape diet. Syphilis. The writer has been informed that several hundred years ago, when the royal houses of Europe had become corrupt and tainted with this dreaded disease, they resorted to the grape diet. In connection with the grape diet, we have used the following with amazing results. For open sores, grape poultice is made by crushing grapes, spreading between layers of cheesecloth or muslin and placing over affected part, covering while with a dry cloth, covering whole with a dry cloth. If grapes are not available, a compress may be used. Soft muslin dipped in grape juice diluted about two-thirds. Poultice or compress should be renewed frequently as they absorb much poison. Rectal cancer. Treat with diluted grape juice enemas, one-third grape juice. Nasal cavern, sinus trouble, etc. Nasal douches six or eight times a day with diluted grape juice. Cancer of throat or gullet. Gargle with diluted grape juice. Cancer of the womb. Regular douches, lukewarm water, one-third grape juice. When effects of grapes become too drastic, judicious fasting, fast, and fast again, just pure cold water. Nothing can be done without the fast. If weakness develops, it is the result of poisons circulating through the bloodstream rather than a lack of food. This is also true of dizziness increased pains in the various joints of the body and even and even vomiting. That's so interesting how many times people jump to the conclusion with fasting that you know oh it makes you weak because you're not getting any food, makes you dizzy. No, I'm going to read this again. If weakness develops, it is the result of poison circulating through the bloodstream rather than a lack of food. It is also true of dizziness increased pains in the various joints of the body, and even vomiting. 
Chapter 8, Grape Juice. It seems too good to be true, but it is a fact that something has at last been found that effectually solves the problem of what to do when fresh grapes are not procurable. We've been experimenting with unsweetened, unfermented, bottled grape juice to take the place of whole grapes during the winter months. So far, the results have been most gratifying. Even during the period when whole group grapes are abundant, there are times when the patient becomes tired of grapes or unable to chew them. It therefore gave me double satisfaction to learn that grape juice may take the place of whole grapes. In critical cases, the patient should fast on water only for a few days using the enema daily as recommended, and then he should live exclusively on grape juice for another short period. A glassful, one half pint, half diluted is usually given at a meal, but more may be taken if patient desires. It has been found that the patient can get along almost as well on grape juice alone as on whole grapes, although grapes are preferable, are preferable when they can be procured. The stomach is accustomed to bulk and is more likely to feel the pangs of hunger when only juice is taken. Raisins have been taken for some of the periods to supply bulk with some good results. For instance, a glass of grape juice on a rising, two hours later a cupful more or less of raisins, and either grape juice or raisins at two hour intervals for the remainder of the day. They should not be taken at the same meal. The raisins may be eaten dry or they may be soaked in ordinary cold water for several hours and the raisin and raisin water are taken for one meal. Any brand of raisins that have not been sulfured may be taken. When raisins have been sulfured, the fact is printed on the box. In case, there, uh, in case where neither whole grapes nor unsweetened juice could be procured, patients have taken only raisins and raisin water instead of grape and grape juice. The raisins should be taken at two hour intervals, the same as grapes. If the soaked raisins are too sweet, a little lemon juice may be squeezed into them. An analysis of grape juice shows that the grape loses none of its healing properties during the process of double sterilization at a temperature of 90 degrees. In America, there are a number of good brands of unsweetened, unadulterated grape juice. A bad case of cancer of the tongue has been reported successfully treated after a fast of 10 days on water by the administration of a tablespoonful of grape juice every half hour. It is the only nourishment prescribed in cases of congestion in or adjoining the intestinal tract. After a period of fasting during which the system is cleansed and prepared for the change of diet, grape juice seems to act as a powerful solvent. At the same time, the strength of the patient is maintained by its nourishing properties. Grapes apparently dissolve the hardened mucus adhering to the walls of the stomach and intestines. In several cases where the fecal matter was observed, there was an accumulation of stringy, slimy mucus which looked like worms. Sometimes this occurred in long strings, sometimes in clumps resembling balls of string, or sometimes like black and green marbles. The juice appeared to dislodge this accumulation from the walls of the stomach and intestines and act as a flush, carrying it to the rectum. It is therefore considered very important to remove this accumulation by daily enemas, preferably high enemas, when taking only liquids, whether water or fruit juices, daily enemas are deemed necessary. Otherwise, poisons which have been carried to the intestines by these liquids are likely to be reabsorbed into the blood. 
One case was that of a woman who was said to be suffering from double lobar pneumonia, leakage of the heart, bleeding of the kidneys, and other complications. She was told that she would live but a few weeks. This woman was a patient in a New York hospital. A European specialist who happened to be in New York was called in. He was from Austria and had seen the effects of the great cure in the Tyrol. He ordered her to be fed on unsweetened grape juice, one spoonful at a time, gradually increasing the quantity and the intervals between until the required results were obtained. The physician said to her, remember, madam, this is the same as a blood transfusion. Grape juice is a blood maker. She immediately began to gain strength and later claimed to have no kidney trouble and that her heart was sound. Two years later, while intestinal flu was an epidemic and was particularly fatal, this same woman contracted it. She went to bed, sent out for some grape juice, and took it for two weeks. She recovered and furthermore says she thinks she has finally rid her system of the pneumonia bug for all time. Another case was that of a woman of over 40 years. She was suffering from a growth over the instep, which had every symptom of malignancy. She was overweight when she started on her first diet. During the 20 years previous to her first grape diet, she had at times shown symptoms of goiter, defective eyesight, acidosis, pain in the teeth, and pain in the feet, which developed finally into the growth. The first time she took the diet, she was on it for 10 weeks. After an interval of a year, she took another diet of eight weeks, and the following year, a diet of 16 weeks. It was after the last diet that the discharge of mucus, as outlined above, was noted. Between the second and third diets, the stomach was extremely sensitive to the touch, but after the discharge of mu mucus, the sensitiveness ceased. It was noticed that during each diet, pain was perceptible in different parts of the body especially in the stomach and intestines. This pain shifted from hour to hour. During the first few days on water or grape juice, swellings, seem, uh, swellings appear, appeared in various parts of the body, sometimes very marked, but which gradually disappeared. Her general health improved continuously during the time she was taking the various diets. A pleasing drink to take at night is made by pouring a glass half full with unsweetened grape juice and filling up with hot water. Chapter six, the secrets of the success of the great diet. Proteids are the great bodybuilders. This then partially explains why new tissue is built with such extraordinary rapidity on an exclusive great diet. But science has not yet discovered what elements in the great breakdown in malignant growths. Some fine essence, which has hitherto escaped observation might be present in this queen of fruits. Perhaps this elusive substance will, will be found in the pure, unsweetened juice of the grape. We are only on the threshold of our discoveries and experiments, learning something new every day. With great success, the pure juice of the grape is used for cleaning the throat, ears, nose, and mouth, applied externally on wounds in the form of poultices and compresses, diluted with water, and introduced per rectum as food. But let us see what can be achieved by the grape diet alone, without these supplementary methods. The mono diet, one food only. I believe it was the exclusive great diet that saved my life in the end. After the nine years battle with death, I discovered almost accidentally that fresh grapes, when taken alone, answered the three requirements of dissolving, eliminating, and building. Like everyone else, I had been eating grapes for years, 
I grew up among the vineyards of South Africa, and the finest grapes of the world were to be found on our table at Harmony in Pretoria. We ate them with other foods. That was a mistake. The stomach is nature's own laboratory. Put the right combinations of food into it, and the result is the fabrication of every essence necessary for life and health. This is chapter nine, if I failed to say so. The stomach is also a still. At the temperature of blood heat, the process of digestion is carried on. The manufacture of natural body alcohol takes place. This seems to be indispensable to the well-being of the body. But an, act, but an excess of alcohol causes a poisoning of the system. Toxemia or auto-intoxication, self-poisoning occurs. This is true when foods are mixed in the stomach indiscriminately, and especially so when to this mixture is added the grape. Taken into an impure stomach, it is it becomes an enemy. On the other hand, when by fasting the system has been prepared for the change of diet, the grape becomes our greatest benefactor, our savior from the ills of the flesh. When there is an ulcerated condition in the stomach and bowels, seeds should not be swallowed. The grape is, as far as I know, the most powerful nature solvent of some chemical deposits, and at the same time, the most drastic eliminator. Because of its extraordinary properties, the avenues of excretion become superbly active under a proper grape diet. The first results of the diet are therefore different in every case. According to the condition of the patient, the first effects may be distressing or instantly beneficial. A healthy person may go on the exclusive grape diet and suffer no inconvenience, lose no weight, and be able to carry on his unusual, <laughs> his usual work without any loss of strength. Not to the sick. In an unhealthy body, the complications arising from the diet may be in exact accord with the gravity of the disease. This is the most perfect form of diagnosis and the most natural. It reminds me of the primitive test of the temperature of the baby's bath. When the baby turns red, the water's too hot. When the baby gets blue, the water's too cold. Poor baby. And one sometimes feels inclined to say, poor patient. When under the grape cure, slumbering evils and latent diseases begin to manifest themselves. A seemingly healthy person may be set may set out gaily on a grape diet merely to reduce weight, for instance, and at the end of the few weeks, he may be quite a sorry spectacle. Some deep-seated trouble has been ferreted out by the grape, driven out into the open, and the wise thing to do in such cases is to continue the four stages of the diet until every trace of disorder has disappeared. Do I need the grape diet? This is a question put most frequently. No one can answer it except for yourself, and that is best done by starting right out on the diet. It cannot possibly harm you. Try it for a week or two, and at the end of that time, you will probably know more about your condition than you ever did before. The average person has been taught to regard every symptom of disease as an evil to be suppressed immediately. I believe nothing can be further from the truth. The disease is evil, certainly, but the symptoms of disease are curative processes, not to be suppressed. 
This we find to be true under the fast and under every natural system of healing, but particularly so under the great diet. Abnormal growths, cancers, tumors, ulcers, abscesses, and fibrous masses seem to be dissolved by the power chemi powerful chemical agent in the grape. Diseased tissues and fatty degenerations, every form of morbid matter, is apparently broken up into minute particles and thrown into the bloodstream to be carried to the organs of excretion. No wonder then that the complications arise. To the inexperienced person, to the inexperienced person, it is disconcerting to find strange and new symptoms of disease developing under the grape cure. He needs someone with experience to explain to him that poisons which have been locked up in the system for many years have broken loose and are running riot in the blood. Hence that unusual rise of temperature, that eruption on the skin, those splitting headaches, those attacks of retching and purging, that discharge of mucus, those undue sweatings. The anxious mind of the patient should be set at rest by the assurance that all these are highly favorable symptoms of the process of purification being carried on internally. Positively prove that he is still vital enough to respond to the treatment. The avenues of excretion, the bowels, kidneys, lungs, and skin are still in working order. Let him then closely examine the stools, the urine, the perspiration, and let him rejoice with the appearance of every new evidence that nature is still able to cast out the poisons that have been dislodged by the magical action of the grape. So much depends upon his mental attitude that everything should be done to enlighten him on this most important aspect of the diet. A volume could be dedicated to the remarkable effect of the grape upon the nervous system. Pain or discomfort is nature at work cleansing the body. The patient should remember that every new ache and pain under the grape diet is an expression of life, of renewed activity. Nerves that have been atrophied for years have been stimulated by the grape. Physical pain is Mother Nature's own voice warning us of danger. She speaks through the nerves, those delicate, watchful, and intelligent protectors of the human body. The grape food as medicine. The medicinal properties of the grape cannot be overestimated. Salts of potash are found plentifully in grapes. And now we understand why the grape may be a specific cure for cancer, for there is said to be a marked deficiency of potash in the makeup of the average cancer patient. <clears throat> but it is more than that. The grape is exceptionally rich in iron and is the finest natural tonic in the world. It also has some vital relation to the protein base of the protoplasm of the cell and is on that account considered a quick repairer of tissue waste. As a flesh, a muscle-forming element, it has no rival. The, f the grape is the perfect food, a most complete food. Quite apart from its value, as a solvent, it stands alone among the foods of nature as a builder. I've seen it administered in cases of tuberculosis and have witnessed the amazing spectacle of an emaciated patient putting on five pounds weight in one day and three pounds the next. An example, an increase of eight pounds within 48 hours. This took place after a fast of six or seven days. The grape is the most strength-giving food. It is nourishing, sustaining, and completely satisfying. Feed your typhoid patients with grapes after the acute stage, 
and especially during convalescence. And they will probably be, there will probably be no relapses, no complications, no prolonged debility. Taken without salt or sugar, it relieves many complaints of the stomach, bowels, and liver because of the abundance of natural salts and acids it contains. For pyrrhea poisoning, the organic acids of the grapes are strongly antiseptic and their effect on the gums is perhaps more valuable than any other results of the diet, for it means preservation of the teeth on which mankind is dependent, not alone for health, but for beauty. With that, I had the tongue of a saint to warn against the evil of having sound teeth extracted because of poison at the roots. It is not always necessary. Every tooth may be loose in its socket and pus may be pouring from the gums. But after a few weeks on the exclusive grape diet, it will in time be found that the teeth are firmly set in the jaws and that every trace of pyrrhea poisoning has disappeared. Do not take my word for this. Try it. Prove it. Demonstrate the diet. Blood diseases. There is said to be only one disease, and that is blood disease. It is for the sake of convenience that we classify them into nervous, muscular, organic, or constitutional diseases. As a matter of fact, barring accidents and malformations, we depend for life and health largely on the condition of the blood. And our blood is dependent first on what we think, second on what we inhale, third on what we eat and drink. To obtain control of these three essentials is to have perfect health. Number one, what we think. So if we represent the sum total of what our forefathers have thought, it were vain at this point to claim the power of independent thought. In the millennia stretching before us, maybe the great cure will be found a short, a shortcut to the desired goal. I know of no way of purifying the blood, no other method as certain, seen, and safe as the great cure in order to pave the way to clear thinking. Number two, what we inhale. Individually, we have very little control over the air we breathe, but the human race collectively is responsible for the present tainted atmosphere by which the blood is poisoned. Until the provision can be made to clear the air of smoke and gas and the deadly fumes of nicotine, our bodies will suffer. The annual cleansing of the lungs through a great cure will be advisable. Number three, what we eat and drink. When all is said and done, the matter of eating and drinking is at the present time the most important because it is the only one of which we have conscious and deliberate control. We must concentrate on that, find out what are the best foods and combinations of foods and not allow ourselves to be persuaded by anyone to take anything that we know to be injurious. By right eating, it is possible to keep the blood so pure that the danger of breathing polluted air is minimized. By right eating, and I do not think that I am going too far in saying this, we may be healthy even if we have not learned to control our thoughts. What is more, right eating will help us to obtain control over our thoughts. To put it clearly, the condition of our blood is more dependent on the food we eat than on anything else, including thought. I know some saints whose bodies are very sick because they transgress against the laws of dietetics. And I know more than one sinner who is disgracefully healthy because he is more concerned about pure food than the good of his soul. 
Others there are, neither saints nor sinners, who have hardly had an original thought in their lives, and who are yet healthy and happy, like the cow placidly thinking of the next cud. The thoughts of supermen may annul the effects of wrong eating, but until we have reached that stage, we do well to study the daily menu. Purifying the blood. I'm convinced that cancer is a blood disease, more so, in fact, than any other disease. No bruise could develop into cancer if the blood were pure. And so I say again, most earnestly, give the grape diet a trial. Go to the root of the matter and remove the cause of the trouble. Or better still, prevent future trouble. There's nothing like the grape diet for purifying the blood from gouty and rheumatic poisons. The inorganic deposits that have settled between the joints are apparently dissolved and expelled in the form of diarrhea or as an unpleasant oily sweat, the loosening of which may be relieved by poultices or compresses of fresh grape juice. Pernicious anemia may be curable by a pure grape diet. Appendicitis often loses its terrors when the secret of the grape diet has been grasped. With the grape poultice on the affected part, frequently the pain subsides and the inflammation goes down. In my opinion, the sorbitic should live entirely on grapes for a time and follow this with a diet of raw fruits and vegetables. Sour milk and cream, cheese, nuts and dried fruits. And I'm sorry, I just have to say, uh, let's read that sentence again with the animal products taken out. In my opinion, the sorbitic should live entirely on grapes for a time and follow this with a diet of raw fruits, vegetables, nuts, and dried fruits. The quickest relief. I used to think that fasting was the quickest relief we knew, but how much I have learned since 1925. There's no comparison between the fasting method and the grape diet. I believe that nothing can take the place of the complete fast in acute disease. But the fast only partially eliminates the inorganic deposits by which chronic diseases are often caused. Perhaps that is the reason why cancer cannot be cured by fasting only. One of the great and as yet unsolved problems of medical science is how to establish in the diabetic and the goiter patient the normal sugar content of the blood. A diet of raw fruits, vegetables, frequently corrects those abnormal conditions of the blood but I believe the grape diet is the quickest agent. The marvelously rapid action of the grape must be due to the fact that grape sugar is taken immediately into the circulation without undergoing any process of digestion. There is on that account no undue tax on the organs of digestion and assimilation, and Mother Nature can take her full attention to the task of destroying the disease. The effect is sometimes instantaneous, but again, I must remind the reader that this is only true when grapes are eaten. Unnatural cravings. The matchless grape is the supreme remedy for the craving for alcoholic liquors. Supplying as it does the purest form of the alcohol, which is indispensable to the maintenance of life and health, the grape should form the exclusive diet of our unfortunate fellow creatures in the reformatories as a preliminary measure. I am of the opinion it should be the only food used, the only nourishment permitted, before and after an operation. 
and in our homes, every member of the family who is addicted to vice, to the drug habit, and to the excessive use of tobacco, tea, and coffee should be persuaded to undergo a grape diet without compulsion or threat. The hapless victim of perverted appetite is eager to be liberated. A sane and simple way of achieving this appeals to him. Sex problems. I see in the grape diet the solution of sex and many other social problems. By the magical purification of the blood, the nerves are stabilized, self-control is established, and our God-given heritage of sense and desire is transmitted into divine creative power. No limit can be set to the stupendous importance of the grape cure. It is the most significant discovery of our age because the physical well-being of the entire human race may depend on it. And on this gain depends the spiritual unfolding and the advancement of science. Emaciation. Oh, <laughs> emancipation. This means the emancipation of the world from the iniquities of war. Let us pause a moment here. Try to picture this beautiful world in a state of peace, not a negative peace. Thrilling with life and love, supremely active, charged with the magnetic power of confidence and strength. Simplicity. It is so simple that you can adopt it in your own home. It is only in extreme cases that patients are confined to their beds while on the grape diet. To be able to go about one's work as usual is perhaps one of the greatest advances, advantages of this method. Think what it means to the businesswoman, the professional man, the university student. Many have taken the grape, the exclusive grape diet and can continue their work. Sometimes it is advisable to take a short exclusive diet for the weekend. And after that, take the following three stages for an equal length of time, repeating this occasionally. Power shall be added unto power. By the purification of the blood and the general uplifting of mind and body resulting therefrom, I see the people of earth gradually becoming more resistant to disease. Germs, plagues, and epidemics lose their terror. Fearlessness, and again, it is fearlessness, has been born. The entire mental outlook has been changed. Hopeful, constructive, optimistic. The sufferer sets about adjusting his faculties to this new psychology. Appeal. Reader, are you going to do your share toward checking the devastating tide of disease and premature death that is spreading over the globe? Then do not be satisfied when, after the grape diet, you have regained perfect, perfect health. Your own freedom from suffering is not enough. Think. Think of the other members of the human family of the human family and pass the message on. Tell your relatives and friends what the grape cure has done for you. What we need is an institution in which scientific research work can be done along these lines for the benefit of the world. To begin with, we need a well-equipped building in which cancer patients can be treated free of charge. We should make a public appeal for victims of this scourge to volunteer for treatment. From time to time, details should be published of the history of the patients, the methods employed in treating them, and the final results. After they are discharged, we must keep track of them, watch for a possible recurrence of the disease, and treat them again if necessary. There's no other way of bringing our testimony home to the public mind. Who will finance so great a scheme? It seems to me that this work should proceed from America, 
fabulous sums have been spent in this country on medical research on cancer. It is not time, is it not time that the natural healing had a chance? Does the amputation of a limb or the removal of an organ remove the cause of a cancer? The cause of the trouble I contend is still in the blood. Often a second operation becomes necessary. This this reeks of it returning with a vengeance. We all know someone who has had a breast removed or had surgery and then it or they've gone into remission and then it comes back with a vengeance. This makes sense that it would still be in the blood. The use of grapes can never restore the loss of limbs and organs, but painful swellings subside. Inflammatory conditions are relieved, and there is an immense relaxation from nervous strain. Again, I plead for an opportunity to demonstrate these wonders. Let the medical fraternity continue their research work. It is quite possible that it may someday hit upon something more effective than the grape diet. Since this is more or less a cleansing diet, the more you can assist nature in the elimination of these poisons, the more effective it becomes, the more effective becomes the treatment itself. And above all, make certain that you have at least two or three eliminations daily. This may seem unnecessary when not eating solid foods but you will find this to be nature's method of eliminating the poisonous waste loosened from the tissues and various organs of the body. They must be gotten rid of. Otherwise, it would be like sweeping the floor over and over without removing the dirt. The more complete the elimination, the more rapid will be the results. We'll read chapter 10 tomorrow. Um, We're actually almost finished with the book. So we'll probably just finish it up tomorrow. I want to dedicate this podcast, this episode, to an aunt through marriage named Emily Sam. She had breast cancer, and she decided to start eating grapes solely in the final stages. And when her kids found out, they laughed at her and they teased her. She was the sweetest woman. And of course she died. And this was in Saudi Arabia, where I imagine the grape cure is much more well known than it is here, having originated from South Africa. But We have a long way to go. We have our work cut out for us to make this just common knowledge. I'd hate to hear of anyone else um, being teased and mocked by by their kids who really loved them and wanted more than anything for them to get better and stay with them and know their their grandchildren. So I dedicate this to you, Emily Sam. And I always forget to ask you guys to follow. <laughs> follow me. You know, we can read more great books like this. Um, I'm not the smoothest reader. I'm not a professional voiceover artist, but uh, I think we're all getting something out of this. I'm I'm definitely getting something out of reading it out loud, um, having read it um, just to myself. 
a few weeks ago. So I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you pass on this information to someone and I hope you tune in for the rest of the book. Could have done a lot of things with these 55 minutes, but you were here with me and I really appreciate it. Thank you.